0: Hey everybody, this is Dave Broadbeck coming to you from my podcast studio, which is actually in my daughter's old bedroom. Anyway, uh, coming up, Psychology 3256, Advanced Univariate uh, Statistics, it used to be called Design and Analysis, but that was a stupid name, so we changed it. Uh, I hope you like it, this is for Fall of 2019, by the way, and uh, you like it or not, look, you have to know stats, so uh, enjoy.
1: So, as we now get into our very last topic of the course, I'm going to talk about multiple regression for today and next time, um, and
0: it's not connecting, there it goes,
1: so, very often we're interested in simple one-to-one variable relationships, height and weight, you know, very simple things like that, education, income, whatever. Let's say we have a relationship between education, years of education and income, which is about, let's say, the R, the correlation coefficient, is 0.5, which would be pretty high, okay? So let's say we have something like that, and that graph the other day was more like about a 0.8, so we all were scattered. 0.5 looks more like, That's a 0.5, roughly, something like that. That's probably more like a 0.6. That's still possible. Okay. Now, R equals the covariance of X and Y divided by the standard deviation of X times the standard deviation of Y. Right? So how much variance is accounted for by one variable in the other? In other words, how much variance do uh, years of education and income share with each other? Okay? So shared variance. How much can we explain? How much of variance in income can we explain by variance in education? You have to start thinking of variance as a thing you can touch, which is kind of an odd thing to think about. I'll give you a couple sort of analogies here as we well. go along. Well, in fact, R deals with standard deviations, so if we want to get variance, we're going to square R. We're going to get R squared. So we would have 0.25. right? So 0.25. So we accounted for 25% of the variance in income by looking at variance in education. 25% of the variance. That means there's 75% of the variance left to explain. We've explained lots, but we've got a lot more available to still explain. So we still have 75% of the variance to explain. Make sense so far? Think about this. If we had height in centimeters and height in inches, height in centimeters explains 100% of the variance in height in centimeters. They're the same thing. Just measured in different units. We're trying to, at some point, it would be great if we could explain all the variance in some variable as some combination of variance in other variables. Then we could actually predict perfectly the variance of uh, in some variable by looking at the variance in a bunch of other variables. That's what we're trying to do. Okay. So there must be other variables that account for that other variance. We may not know what they are. We don't know what they are. We can make some guesses. We don't know what they are. The way we deal with this is we bring them into the model as well. So instead of just saying y equals a plus bx, or I'm going to start today saying b sub 0 plus b, b sub 1 x sub 1, we're going to bring in another x. Okay? That's all we're going to do. Sorry, looks very concerned. You okay? You should, you, should, you should try So we think it's an important biological function. Also, I don't know if you've seen the Star Trek next Generation episode, They don't sleep. Next thing you know, Counselor Troy will show up in your dreams and talk you about do not watch that episode. It's awful.
0: <laughs>
1: PNG is really into this. It's really awesome. all You make a million TV shows. A good chunk of them aren't going to do that great. But that was kind of weak. So we deal with this now. We're going to by bringing that into the model. So we're going to. I can. I can. Here's a picture. That's the variance in Y. That's the thing we're predicting. So again, think of variance like a thing. So that circle represents the variance in Y. So let's. There's x1, and it overlaps. That's about a quarter. It's probably a little less, but let's pretend. X1 overlaps about a quarter with what? They share some of their variants. Okay, just a classic Venn diagram. They just share variants. You see, there's all this other variance in Y we haven't accounted for. And perhaps that's accounted for by X2. So if we bring X2 into the model, we are now explaining more of the variance in Y as a combination of X1 and X2. So, I don't know. Uh, what's something else? So we have, if, this is, if Y is income and X1 is years of education what's something else that explains income? That we can add? it. parents' income? Yeah, that's good. Sure, parents income. Yeah, it's probably not that high, but let's just take, take whatever. Let's say it's parents income. That's good. What was <coughs> the other one you said? Uh, this would be, why is uh, overall in, your your own income, this is years of education for X1, X2 is going to be how much money your parents make. There's an experience in a job. That's another possibility. There's all kinds of things we can bring in to keep explaining more variance. In. That's right. So now we've explained. I don't know. Looks like maybe it's not 50 percent. Maybe it's more like about 40 percent there. But whatever. The idea here is to explain as much variance in Y with as few variables as possible. Okay. That's what we're trying to do. There's also variables that have no relationship whatsoever with why. Length of your big toe. Probably does not really matter a lot. It probably matters a little bit because men make more money than women and men have bigger toes than women. Let's pretend we live in a perfect world where there is no sexism. We have smash the patriarchy. And now we don't care about any of that stuff. And the world's great now. So toes don't matter. Hashtag all toes matter. <laughs> so, so, basically, the strangest thing I think I've ever said. So, And, and there's a lot of candidates, man. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm getting a little punchy. It's a tiny little punchy. <laughs> and we say that every class. Yeah. Well, That's since about know, January. Early in the term, like early in the year, no, I'm just Yay, teaching. I'm a scientist. I like it. The first term's great. The second term, I have enough of you people. Second term. So, uh, anyway, so do you see the point, though? Okay? We're trying to explain as much of the variance in y by looking at variance in other variables. We're trying to explain something, to make a prediction, to talk about how the universe works, which is kind of a cool Okay. Of course, I'm going to turn this into, instead of pretty pictures, I'm going to turn this into a model. Yes, David? What do you want? Okay, so the last one, you said the first one was R squared, so it was 25, right? That's right. So then the other one, you would do the same thing, and then that would maybe be like 30% or like. Or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. So you just
0: basically, let's
1: say you have like 10 things.
0: (laughs) yeah. And then they add it up to more than 100.
1: That would be a problem. explain like more than 100% of the variance. No, I mean, if they're cross? Yes, the overlap, if all the x's overlapping each other. Yeah. Yeah. Theoretically, that's not supposed to happen. <coughs> <laughs> we hope that doesn't happen. I will talk to it, have to detect when that happens. Because the model, this is good that you're thinking about that. What Dana's saying, if you're not sure on this, is that I showed you an idealized situation of how the world could work. Which would be if only it were so, we have y, and we have x1, and x2. But what if we yeah. had x3 and it was here?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. They, it's not accounting for unique variance. Some of this variance isn't unique. Some of it's overlap, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's not going to be good. Because, like, for income, you would have, like, a million variables. Oh, sure. Think about years on. of education by points. Which overlaps a lot in terms of education, because it helps you to get smart to learn things. Also, it's hard to learn things when you're not that smart. So if you put those two things together, they're going to overlap a lot. So we're going to hope that doesn't happen. And theoretically, right now, we're going to just assume it doesn't. But there are ways to detect it. We want as little of that as possible, because we want to explain unique variants. No. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those are potential pitfalls that we can deal with. There are ways to detect this, and we can deal with them. The world literally never works with X1 over here and X2 over here. It can if you design an experiment, and X1 and X2 are independent variables, and why isn't that yeah, then Yes, sir. At what point do you have so many variables that you can perfectly predict out your data, but you can no longer extrapolate it to them? <laughs> when you have as many, uh, I can tell you exactly what that is. When you have as many uh, variables as you have data points, you exhaust the degrees of freedom. You can, can predict perfectly, <laughs> but you have a useless model, right? So if I said that I can, I think I said this the other day. I said I can predict all of your grades, and let's say I can probably, I can probably build a model that could predict your grades, and I can base it on a few things. I can base it on, uh, I don't know. I can give you all my cue tests, and I can probably count for a lot of variation. I can do a few other things. And eventually, though, there's the ultimate variable I can get, which would be, what's your name? And then I'll just look it up. That's a useless model. I can predict your grades if you tell me your grades. <laughs> Pretty good, right? Science. Call nature and science. I'm getting publications in both places. So yeah, it, it usually, it's the, when you exhaust the degrees of freedom, you've got a useless model. That's a good question. So, in general, we have here's y hat. This is the same model except we, uh, from the other day, except we've extended it. This is to, all we've done. So, equals b sub zero. That's what we used to call a. So, that's the intercept. Plus b one x one, b two x two, plus dot dot dot, plus b p minus one x p minus one. Time plus e. We have p minus one predictor variables. Not p. they p minus one. We have P minus 1 predictive variables. We have P terms because we have an intercept. If you go on to graduate school, you can learn about times when you force no intercept. There are reasons to potentially do that, we're not going to worry. There's a lot of variations on themes you can do here. And we're not going to worry about doing variations on themes of global regression. It's too late in the year. And also, most people don't do that. There are times when you So we have p minus 1 predictor variables. So this is for the data set itself. These are statistics. These are not parameters. These are predicting a parameter. So these are Latin letters. They aren't Greek letters. When, they, when you start seeing Greek letters and capital letters, that's when you start getting parameters, right? Okay. Okay. In the population, we have this y equals beta sub 0 plus beta beta sub 1, x sub 1 plus beta sub 2, x sub 2 plus dot dot dot, beta sub p minus 1, x sub p minus 1 plus epsilon. So that's the population. This is different. This is what we're trying to predict. Okay, We're trying to predict that with our data set. Oh, by the way, error is normal. Uh, individual differences, it's not error. In this case, uh, is normal and independent with a mean of zero and a variance of sigma squared sub so absolute. That seems error, just like you have in the are of variance So, this isn't prediction error, it's individual variation. E, the residuals, those are prediction errors. That's when you've made a mistake, your, your model's made a mistake. You can't have it. This is saying there's extra stuff left over. But it's not a prediction error, it's saying it's extra stuff, because this isn't a prediction. This this model is not a prediction. This is actually how the universe works. Okay? So that's not a prediction. It's individual variation. What's left over, basically. Okay. Questions okay. So you're with me so far? This is good. Please. So, okay, so every single time we add another x, yes. we add b2, x, or b3, x3, yeah. b3, whatever. That's yeah. right. So you have many x's, many x's. X's are just predictors. Not predict that. Why is it predicting that? Okay. Do change the there one yeah they get that number? Yes, they're coefficients. And they're all calculated the same way generally that I showed you the other day. We don't have to worry about that. What they are are coefficients that you multiply a number of times. So when you think about it, we we're talking about how Calculate calculate salaries here. And there's meters at which is salary for And then there's some number, which was two times the number of years. Years would be X. Two would be E. Right? So these, these numbers are what we're interested in. We're interested in, sometimes they're called beta weights, which is a stupid name because we're actually doing, they're really easy. I swear, but I swear, but I mean, whatever. So people call those beta weights. You're trying to predict. So if we had years of education, it's some number times your years of education predicts your income in dollars whatever. So that's what we're trying to get at. Because it's never just going to be a, a, a combination of like just think of height and weight. it's very simple. Right? I'm uh how do you call I had centimeters. I don't know. That's all I am in inches. Okay, 180 something. 182 something like that. Okay? So my weight in kilos is probably geez, about eighty. So if I'm going to predict my weight from my height, I've got it 180 divided by 85, so I don't know, whatever the hell it is, 0.7 or something. That's the B. See? OK. And of course, we're using as the ideal specimen of humanity, so we can now generalize all these. I'm sort of Schwarzenegger-esque, really. California, the governor of California. All right, questions? Good? Okay. So why, this isn't y hat which is predicted y, this is just saying y is a variable which is a linear combination of these variables times some bunch of constants, which are these b's. We get the y hat thing, but really what we're saying is we're predicting that, you know, out in the world, it actually does work somehow. We just don't know. If we knew this, we wouldn't have to do this. Okay? Okay. So what do we get? If p minus 1, the number of predictors, is 1, we get a line. Right? We just get a line. Use. If P minus 1 equals 2, so if we have two predictors, we get a surface or a plane. Okay? So there's an X this way? Right? Left and right? There's also now one in an R1, P and M. So now we get a plane. Did you ever actually did anybody here do 3D coordinates? Or did you geometry in high school? Yeah, sure you did, right? Or you forgot it, but you did it. Because I think they still teach that. What do they teach in high school? Using Google and showing up? Is that basically what it is now? Do you remind me of little frog beanbags that we used? Oh, that's all I remember. That's all you remember from high school? All I remember was you eat a lot of mushrooms or something in high school? No, because you did that. How, how, how many people here did math all the way 12? I did always. Okay, I did here at I did three maths. Okay. But most of you didn't do math all the way in grade 12. There's something bad about that. I'm not saying to you. You were advised poorly. No, seriously. I agree. Yeah, guidance counselors are great. They miss a notion of careers. Why do we need guidance counselors? Hello! Um... It's a joke. It's a It's a horrible joke. I'm sure they're fine people. Can you explain to me how you visualize that again? So, look at this. X and Y it's like, you know what X is? Left and yeah, right. Y is up and down. The world, our universe, look around us, has three dimensions. You now we've got them coming in. X? So it's 3D. So it's basically just if you did do 3D coordinates, 2D coordinates, it was x, y, and z. Mm-hmm. What was the z? That's up, out, and back. Left, right, up, down, back, forward. Instead of paper, it becomes cube. So, so, they, so, so where's the data point? then? If you have this, where's the data point? Because it's, well, it's got three things. It's got x, right? It's got y, and it's got z. So it's here. The and then it becomes a surface. It's a surface, oh, oh, like, like a piece, like a piece of paper, a plane. Yeah. Okay. There you go. The table works. That's right. Yeah. See. So here we go. xyx one. X two. Y. Uh, X, X1, X2, y. Yeah. Yeah. Or, here, or here, or here, or here, and then it makes a plane. Okay. And it has two slopes. It has a left-right slope, and a up-the-back fourth slope. And those are the different b's. Those are the slopes. Right? And he said, when you were learning 3D coordinate or d coordinates in high school, why am I learning this? Because of lightning. I'm never going to use this. Ha-ha! I I will now call all your math teachers and say, I proved you right. I think it was out of
0: high school by the time I went here because
1: I hadn't go that version of university. Yeah. I did it in grade thirteen functions and relations. I did OEC calculus and you know, algebra. Okay. I did I did fine high. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, I mean we had when I was in high school, it was grade thirteen, and we had it was three maths you could choose from algebra, calculus and functions relationships. I go I did function grade twelve so because I had to do a French class so though. because my you in France and the exchange student didn't count for in so Ontario French so Yeah, because they don't speak French in France. France, in France so at all. Yeah, yeah. There's no French there. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. So point is you get a surface. If p-1 is greater than 2, you get a hyperplane in hyperspace. Stop trying to visualize it. <laughs> you can't. You can't visualize hyperplane in hyperspace. Because now, what we could imagine, think of this, is x3. So x1 next two, we get a plane. Now x3 is going to be time, so it moves. Dude. So I don't try to imagine that. Because that's wacky. And it could be changing color, too, so if we're going yeah, to don't, don't try to imagine I know people that can do that, and I envy their ability to imagine that, and it makes sense to them. I can't do that. I can Surfaces are easy. I live on surfaces. This is OK. It's when it starts moving, that's a little hard, but it's like if I imagine, OK,
0: again,
1: as time goes by, when it gets to like. Now, it changes color, and the cooler the color, the lower the number. Nope, nope, I quit. <laughs> I'm done. So, in fact, you will very rarely see in a paper, when they present a regression model, anything other than a surface, like a, a 3D kind of graph, even though know, it's not in two-dimensional, on paper, you can imagine it. You're not going to see a hyperplane, because nobody's going to say, you know, now click on the video. Yeah. And it doesn't help anybody. So, your best bet with hyperplanes in hyperspace and I always love saying hyperspace because it makes me feel like right. uh, Star Trek yeah. Um is don't try to visualize it. <laughs> it's really, because you're not going to be able to. If you can, that's wonderful. That's just not, I can't do that. Now, staff prof, Ian there, he, the, the, the Scottish prof, he said he could, he could do four X's because he could imagine colors changing and moving. I, I didn't believe him, but... He's probably not a It's easy, but it's completely intuitive. You're just changing colors. Time goes by. Really? You call that intuitive, do you? Well, thank you. That was very useful. OK. So you know what? Think about this. Um, I can draw this. A oh, computer program can draw me a 3D surface graph. Um, now I can't show you a picture anymore. I can give you an equation, and equations are great, and I can do that. But pictures are nice, and to me it's always a big step. If you're going from two predictor variables up to a third and fourth, that to me is a big step, because now I can't draw you a picture anymore. So to me, there's like a jump you're making in complexity when you go from choosing two to three. As soon as you put that third variable in, I can't draw it anymore. Or I can't get a computer program to go draw it for me either. Right? So to me, that's a big step. I'm not saying that should be a deal breaker for you, but to me, it's a very big step when you, you I can't draw the damn thing anymore. Okay. <laughs> of course we're going to analyze this using, you know, it's about variance. Just what I thought it was, was that, They pulled me back in we can find that if our regression model is significant using analysis of variance because it's just about variance so we have two sources of variation here regression or variance due the regression and variance due to the residual if you look at your output on for analysis of variance uh, with general linear model with GLM and SPSS or PSPP it actually says model and intercept because it's actually doing regression and turning it backwards into, you know. Which is cool. So we actually get something that looks like this. We get variance due to regression, has p minus one degrees of freedom, residual has n minus p. N is the number of cases. Okay? and n minus one total. We take mean squared regression, divide by mean squared residual, and we get an F. Value. This analysis is about the whole model. Maybe it's got five variables, maybe it has one. Maybe it has two, maybe it has 11. 11 seems high. This is not about individual variables. This isn't saying, does. if we go back to our original example, are we explaining a significant amount of variance in income with years of education? This is saying if we take years of education and parental income together, do we explain a significant difference? Okay? So it's about the whole model. It's not about the individual Bs. It's not about the individual variables themselves. The, the residual mean square? it's over P1, not? I should be M-P, you're right. Yep, that's right. Sorry about that. I was like, why did that change? <laughs> no, no you were, you're right. Okay, yeah, that should be n minus g. Okay, so this is one thing that's the sum of its parts, the regression model. It's literally the sum of its parts, okay? But we want to do finer grained analysis here. What we want to do is want to find out, do we, have we... Does the individual predictor variables explain a significant amount of variance. Because the whole model will be significant. There's no way it's not going to be. You're not going to start be measuring you know, big toe length or something like that. You're actually not going to do that. So, we're much more concerned with how much extra variation, extra unique variation, is accounted for by individual variables. So we want how much unique variations account for in y, by adding in another x. So if we had years of education and income, and we added in months of education, that's not accounting for any extra variance, because years are a function of months. Right? So it's actually accounting for the same variance. It's nothing unique there. And that's an absurd example, but if we had something like IQ, which correlates pretty highly, that overlaps a lot with years of education, we might not want to use that variable because it doesn't account for enough extra variation. You get a value for the whole model called called big R squared, which is sum of squares regression divided by sum of squares total. It's the total amount of variance accounted for by the whole model. Big R squared. So, if you have a model with 5x variables and you add a sixth, Does does big R squared go up? Well, it has to. It can't go down because it's, it's, it's sum of squares. It's square, square quantities You're always adding in more, uh, a positive number. You could add, it could be zero. So it could stay static, but that's never going to happen. So what we need is something, in fact, that looks at when an extra variable is added and corrects for the idea that it's always going to go up. So we have something, well, first of all, you should realize that the question is, how much does it go up by? And is it enough? And is, is it enough to deal with the loss of degrees of freedom, and the increase in complexity? Every time I add another variable, I'm telling you the world's more complicated, and it gets harder and harder to understand. So if I say that y is a combination of some constant, e sub zero, Plus a bunch of constants times a bunch of variables. That's fine if it's like two variables. You can deal with that. If it's 11, you start going. About that. So you're not helping me much. Because we want to be simple enough that we can be understood, and we want to have a lot of explanatory power. It's always going to go up, but is it enough? Is it useless to throw that other variable in? So we need something other than big R squared going up, because it's always going to go up. So we have something here. I'm never going to ask you to reproduce this one. me. I'm telling you what this thing is. Adjusted R squared is weighted by the number of observations and the number of variables in the model. Let's call it, so it's adjusted R squared. It can go up or down. So it's weighted by the number of variables in the model. So we can go down when more variables are added, if not very much is explained, but we've got another variable. So it can go down. So on a very simplistic kind of level, one of the things we're going to look at is adjusted r squared. Okay. So, when we're doing this, when we're doing this, this exercise called model building, we are going to be comparing different models, predicting a Y. And we're trying to determine which is the best one. That's always the question we're asking. And in fact, the question on the final exam, this question here, 6A, I will be giving you a whole bunch of stuff and asking you what the best model is and why is it the best model. That's what that question is going to be. Okay. So here's a model with just x1 in the in the model. And of course an intercept. And I'm saying that for regression, we got one degree of freedom and for residual n minus two, p minus one, n minus p. Sum of squares are 50 and 80. That one over there. Bring this one here. This is x2. This is a different variable. Some of scores 30 and 100. Of these two, not even looking at the final one, I'm going to bring up. Of these two, which is the best one? Which explains the most variance? Look those. Is it the one with just X1 in the model, or the one with just X2 in the model? What explains the most variance? What's R squared for the first one, compared to R squared for the second one. So we're going to take sum of squares regression, and divide it by sum of squares total. 50 out of 130, or 30 out of 130. Which number is a bigger number? Well, it's 50. This isn't tricky. The one on the left, X1, it explains more variance than just X2. Right? It's bad. But, what if we brought in, what if we put them both in together? Ha! That's X1, X2. And these are, these should be moved over, but I changed the size of the slides. So this this is perfect for 4 by 3. 16 by 9. This explains, oh, 80 out of 130, which is more than 30 out of 100 and more than 50, or out of 130, more than 50 out of 130. Note a few things. The total sum of squares is the same for all of them. But they have different regression sums of squares because they're different models. Now, of those three, which is the best model? This isn't that complicated, because it's just got two predictor variables, x1 and x2. So it's not like you're going from a a surface to some sort of weird thing you can't imagine, so I can even draw a picture of it. That's nice, because the complexity isn't bad. It's only got two variables. It's explaining 8 thirteenths of the variance in y, 80 out of 130, compared to 30 out of 130, or 50 out of 130. Those are good. Right? Do X1 and X2 explain unique variance in Y? In other words, is there any overlap between X1 and X2, or are they explaining unique variance in Y? You are correct. Why is it You guys get that? Yeah. Okay, that's fine. In fact, if anybody picked that up, is nice. This explains 5 thirteenths, because it's good, of 130. Okay, x1 explains 5 thirteenths of the variance in y. x2 explains 3 thirteenths of the variance in y. Uh, 30 and 100 is 130. 50 and 80 is 130. The total is 130. That's all it is. Does that make sense so far? I'm glad you asked. This is good. You should ask questions. and you look yeah. at it now, it's pretty obvious. Yeah, but I'm glad you asked it. That's what you're supposed to do. Okay. Now look at x1, x2. 80, 813 80 is 30 plus 50. They can't be overlapping. If X1 and X2 were overlapping, it wouldn't be 80. It would be 65 or 71 or something bigger than 50 and less than 80. It has to be bigger than 50 because that's the smallest, like that's here. And it can't be bigger than 80 because that would be the total. So, if you think of it like the overlapping, or if you think of it like a container. So, this is all the variance in Y. Okay? When we put X1 in, we've explained some variance. What we want to happen is when we put X2 in, it explains unique variance. But let's say we've had and that's what we have. Now, those aren't the scale, but whatever. Now, when I bring in, let's say, x3, let's say it does not explain any variance. Then it has some overlap with x1 and x2 already in the model. There's x3. It actually overlaps with x1 and x2. Yes. Yeah. Rg, let's say 30. Sure. Rs, 100. And then yes. for x1, x2, x3, rg now is 90 R, and rs yes. is 40. Yeah, that's right. Because so it like, should yeah. be 110 because you say 30. Yeah. Exactly. because if we had, it was unique, it would be 80 plus the 30 from x3, but it's not. It's less than. That. In that case, you'd say, oh, well, that's not as good, even though I'm explaining more variance. We want to explain variance, we want to explain unique variance. We don't want to explain the same variance. And again, think of the absurd example. If you bring in, if we're predicting weight from height, and the first variable is, 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 is uh, height in centimeters, the second variable is height in inches, it literally is going to explain exactly the same variance. It's going to be, X1 and X2 would be the same as X1 or X2 because it's the same variance. Your height in inches is the, it's just another way to measure your height in centimeters or your height in pennies. So, what we want is to explain unique variance. We don't want to explain the same variance or variance we've already explained. Questions so far?
0: I'm sorry, I still don't understand
1: there's 130 things. Right? There's 130 things of variance. Yeah. Okay? That's the sum of squares to the whole thing. There's 130 units of variance Okay? You see that because when you add the sum of squares for any of those, it's 130. It's the sum of squares total. Okay? Now, we want to explain as much of that 130 as we can, and we are explaining that the way we can see how much we've explained is by looking here at the regression sums of squares. So we want to explain as much of hundred 130 as possible, so we want that regression part to be as high as possible. We also want it to be explaining unique variance. So the beautiful thing here with this cooked-up example that would never happen in real life is that. For X1, we have 50. For X2, we have 30. For X1 and X2, we have 50 plus 30. We have 80. We actually explained the variance. We don't overlap. They don't overlap at all. And so when you were saying something, Sean, you change the numbers and then it goes to 110. So look, I added another variable. that explains 30 percent of the total. Yeah. Okay. However, when I add the three together, I, I only added 10 of that, which means 20, per, like, 20 units. Like it's yeah. explained by either one, the other, or both. or both. Yeah, Some combination of three. It's like what I said, only like a third of what I found. Yeah. And in that case, we likely would not use that model, because we'd say, well, look, we've got a two-variable model with all unique variants. The third, variant, the third one doesn't explain a whole lot extra. I'm not going to use that. So you see a lot of this is you're going to be making judgment calls when you do regression. It's a little different. You're looking at it, though, it's not. Is this no significant. It's almost always going to be a significant value. It's, does it matter? Does it explain unique variance? what Because, again, if I was explaining height and, and explaining your weight and your height in centimeters, your height in inches, both of those explain a significant amount of variance. But one of the they completely overlaps, I just use one. We're trying to account for unique variance in what we're predicting. That's the point of this. And if we can do that and present it as an equation to somebody, yay. We can say this is how the world works. Other questions? That was good. Does that make a little more sense that day? Yeah, it does. Good. I what you were just when you said that. I wait. No, when you think of it like I said, like a container full of variants or something like that, whatever works for you, okay. right? Please How much unique variance do you need for it to
0: be considered a good model? That's a
1: that's a question that there really is not an answer for. <laughs> that's the thing. Because the whole model is always going to explain a significant amount of variance. If it doesn't, I don't know what kind you're measuring. Right. When we have to make the judgment call for an exam.
0: What oh,
1: no, no. That, that's not what you would be... See, the thing is, that's not the kind of judgment you end up making in these things. The judgment you end up making is which of these models does the best job explaining the variance why? not, is this, was this a complete waste of time? <laughs> so, the kind of questions you're asking with regression are different than the kind of questions you may answer with, say, analysis of variance, even though know, you use a it to be the same thing. The question you're asking is, can I predict y from as few x variables as possible? Right? And, can I do that without, by explaining as much unique variance in X, in Y, I'm sorry, even time I add another variable? When you look at these things, you do them, these are much less fishing expeditions than ANOVA is. When you do an analysis variance, a lot of times you say, okay, what happens when I put these two groups together? Here you say, I know things happen, can I explain how they work? It's sort of a different kind of question. They're, they're intimately related of course. But they're asking a different kind of question. This is, a, this is building a model of the universe rather than saying, how does the, saying, are there effects or not? So it's a subtly different question. Good question. You just ask. Other things. Would you like to stop for today? Yes, I hear the I hear a chorus of yeses. That's fine. We have enough time. We can do that next time. We can finish up next time. And uh, Except if you're watching on the video, I'll we'll see you. Uh, Thanks for watching video.
0: or like the GNU license. Um, I hope you learned something. But if you didn't, I, unless you're one of my students, I really don't care. Um, the music, by the way, for each, uh, song, for each, uh, uh, episode <laughs> lecture uh is uh available they're all podcast uh, like pod safe music so if you want to uh, find out about the bands there's links on my website at ca slash broadback uh if those links don't work just contact me and i'll find uh, i'll find out um often i put links uh, actually in the uh if we call them show notes or blog posts so uh you know buy these people's music they're they're making the stuff available out there uh thanks everybody and we'll see you next time